Coming up on Tech Thing, replacing Picasa, text messages that kill Android, date settings that kill iOS, how to try a new camera before you buy it, external optical drives, and cooking. All coming up on Tech Thing. Tech Thing is made possible by viewers like you that donate via patreon.com slash tech thing. If you get something useful out of this episode, please consider contributing. Thank you so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. I hope it's a good day. It is a good day. Good. <laughs> okay, see, Mattel's Thing Maker. Thing maker. Thing maker. You probably I remember. I feel like I remember this from my Does childhood. Does this look familiar? Oh, oh, I know what that is. That's the creepy crawlers. <laughs> yeah, basically, it was like a, it, it, well, okay, this is what, back in the 60s, it looked like this. Oh, I think it's wow. when it first came out, right? There's a hot plate that looks and dangerous. Mold. Yeah, and plastic goop. Well, it, it was, you know, this is that with an enclosure to keep you from burning yourself. Like this was, yeah, this is essentially a hot plate, you know, for the kids and it, you would make crazy little designs. And they had do like dozens and dozens of dozens and dozens of like you could make your, your, oh, your yeah. chimpanzee, Tarzan <laughs> That's doll. That's so weird. Yeah, it's all, I mean, <laughs> The you plastic know. smelled terrible. The I remember building creepy crawlers in like the 80s and 90s. Fake and monster teeth. Horrible. But it was an idea, right? <laughs> so it you was. Could actually, you would actually, I mean, look at this. It had all these little molds. You could make things in the comfort of your own kitchen table, garage, home, wherever your parents would let you operate this thing. So it's now back, but this time it's a $300 3D printer. You can pre-order right now on Amazon. The makers of Barbie and Hot Wheels have taken the 1960s toy and uh, brought them into the 21st century. What really I think is interesting is that they worked together um, with Autodesk. Mattel and Autodesk got together to do the Thing Maker software, which, uh, I, I look at this, I think it's either gonna totally help mainstream 3D printing, yeah. or it's gonna shove it straight back into the garage. <laughs> you know, So hard, it's gonna hit the far side of your making garage and land back in the middle. And um, you got the app too? I downloaded the app. What is the app? The app um, has a very sort of Autodesk-y kind of DIY consumer feel. So it's actually a whole bunch of different designs, which presumably you'll be able to print out this fall when the printer actually ships. That's cool. Yeah, and there's a necklace. Oh, wonderful. You know, I actually had a lot of fun with the bugs. <gasps> oh, <laughs> there's rings. Oh, there's a skull ring. Ooh, okay, yeah. that's cool. I could get on board with that. Patrick. <laughs> It's Shannon. a very, very sad day for many people. Why? Because Google just announced that uh, they're getting rid of Picasa. They're no longer going to be supporting it. You can still download it until they choose to not let you download it anymore. But we got several emails from people asking for alternatives okay. because Picasa is no longer going to be supported. Uh, they gave users the ability to add geolocation tags, uh, comments, organization, other metadata that you could add yeah. in yourself. So a lot of users are really hesitant to go over to Google Photos. Big bulk photo processing tool. Well, Google Photos yeah. is really cool in a lot of ways, right? Um, it's cool because it lets you upload and it's cloud supported, right. unlimited for your high resolution photos. That's awesome. Just some pretty cool sort of image searching yeah, kind of stuff. But, but it has a lot of drawbacks too because it doesn't let you do all that like right. metadata processing and stuff like that. I sense well, it does allow you to edit one metadata tag, but we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I decided that I should give you guys a rundown of some different alternatives depending on what operating system you use and mm -hmm. a few that are cross-platform. Uh, so first off, I wanted to direct you over to Google Photos. So of course, this is the one that a lot of people are a little hesitant about. It's free. Photos.google.com. Uh, when you actually start uploading to it, 
that's basically what it looks like. Yay, Valentine's Day. <laughs> Shooting guns. So <laughs> guns it's, it's not very organized. It's organized by date, generally. Mm -hmm. You can customize that, but otherwise it's, it's not very customizable. Uh, they do have a desktop and a mobile platform too. Right. So both of those will let you sync together. But, and it is unlimited for high quality photo storage, but it's not very good well, with the organization. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a pull, pull, pull back up because it, what it does is it, it does a lot of face search and stuff like that. If you take a look at yeah, the shots, it does. Thing, right? So look, all of the roses together. Yeah, and, exactly. and the faces are together. <laughs> they like, oh, do it with a gun, do it with a gun, chat over the gun. Yeah, oh, so look. I could search for a certain person. Oh, look, that's a famous celebrity. Yay. <laughs> Why is she, what is she doing there? I don't know, but apparently you have a picture of her. <laughs> apparently I do. And the whole high quality, the whole unlimited storage thing, um, if your high quality photos are under 16 megapixel, yeah. you're fine. If they're bigger than that, they'll be downsized to 16 megapixels. Yeah. But the big thing about, about Google Photo, if your metadata isn't perfect before you upload, you pretty much can only change <laughs> one thing in the future. Yeah, so they have the search functionality, all that good stuff. They let you edit and share photos pretty easily, but it doesn't have that metadata metadata editing right. capability. You can really only edit like the filters on your pictures right. and then the date and the a date. description. Yeah. And that's about it. Oh, so there's two things you can edit. Yay, date and description, <laughs> but not like the camera it was taken with, not the lens type, not the geolocation right. information. So a lot of stuff is missing that people really appreciated with Picasa. So second off, we have another one called Flickr. The I'm sure you guys have heard of this. Timeless. Oh yeah. So <laughs> Flickr is a Yahoo-owned company. Uh, I can take it's it over to mine. It's been around forever. You get a terabyte of free storage. There we go. Yeah, terabyte of free storage. It's a great organization tool. Uh, they do have an uploader available, which you can install with a little button down at the bottom. It says beta, but it's been around forever. Uh, and you can edit some of the metadata as well. Now, the uploader tool, it's very fast. It's very easy. Um, it, however, all of the organization and editing is done up in the cloud. It's not local. So if you change anything locally, that's not necessarily going to be uploaded. And if you right. do it in the cloud, it's not necessarily going to change what you have. So it doesn't sync everything. No. Eww. Yeah, it's just <laughs> up in the cloud, like on their Flickr website. But they do have tons of storage, so yeah, you might want to do that. Okay, how about options for your local computer or the photos you store in your NAS? Yeah. Or if you just don't want your photos on the internet, period, comma, yeah. yo. That's an awesome question. So you can also try this one called Windows Live Photo Gallery. And I believe I have the link. Yep, here it is. So Windows Live Photo Gallery. This one lets you edit your photos locally, uh, order them and organize them locally, and store them locally. So it's all completely local. However, you okay. can sync across, across multiple devices oh, if you cool. have Windows devices. So that one can be very useful if you're a Windows user. If you're a OS user, there's Photos. So this one's primarily for Mac. However, it can sync to PCs as well. So you can view your items on PC, but it will not let you do all the convenient editing right. and things of that nature. But it's photos very clean and crisp. For Mac. Yeah, a lot of people like Photos for Mac. If you use Macs, those are probably the best best choice for you locally. Uh, they do upload as well to the cloud. Mm -hmm for, um, I believe it's called iCloud, correct yes. me if I'm wrong, but <laughs> I don't use Macs. That's the one that's Macs. famous for all the celebrity photos being taken. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, that's, a, yeah, you're, you are correct, yeah, sir. Yeah, I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> what about Linux? Linux, so there's one called Shotwell, and this one's for GNOME Linux desktops. Uh, this one looks 
Well, the website's not super fancy or anything, but it's also <laughs> operating system specific, specifically for Linux desktops. This one's cool because it lets you do raw photo, photo editing. You can change different tags and keywords. You can do folders, so organization. and uh, You can also share to a lot of major services directly from the app as well. So that's very, very useful for a lot of people. Uh, if you are interested in desktop applications, of course, you can use all of those to organize locally and some of them upload to the cloud. Right. But if you want an alternative, there's also this one called Zoner Photo Studio. So <laughs> Zoner Photo Studio looks to be a pretty sweet deal. It's free, which is <laughs> awesome. Uh, however, it, it does come with all the general features that you would need for yeah. photo organization, yeah. editing, uploading. If you want to buy the pro version, though, that one's 99 bucks. Well, and it, it obviously owes a certain debt to a certain, you know, uh, Apple tool that is very popular oh, with professional yeah. photographers in terms of its design. And stuff. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, but so, so the $99 one that lets you do geotagging. There's a few additional right. editing tools. There's some development tools that you can add on to it. So it's like additional plugins, right. but you can get by just fine with the free one. Um, lastly, and some people will say, no, it's way <laughs> too much. And I agree it is for most people, but I'm going to mention anyway, because personally, I've grown to really like it. Uh, lastly, I want to recommend Adobe Lightroom 6. So even though I absolutely hate their membership monthly plans, because you can get this for $9.99 per month with Creative Cloud. Mm -hmm. uh, you really can't beat this tool as far as it goes for editing software for professionals right. uh, when it comes to like Lightroom type software. This isn't this this isn't the standard Photoshop. This is the crazy no. the the Adobe people realized that that not only did photographers need to edit their photos, but they needed to manage the gigabytes and gigabytes yeah, and gigabytes of exactly. photos that were generated. Yeah, so. exactly. So you can buy this one for $150 online, just straight mm -hmm. deal, and then you you get to stick with that version of it. So I have Lightroom 6, which I guess is the newest one. <laughs> but I got it for free with a camera purchase on Black Friday. So keep an eye out for deals because they're constantly doing that kind of stuff. It's always good to check on yeah. deals. You can create local collections of organized photos. You can create, uh, you can edit raw photos. Mm -hmm. You can edit JPEGs. You can change the metadata, add a watermark if you're inclined. You can even upload directly to an HTML5 website of your choosing via FTP. And there are plugins too. There's plugins for Facebook, Flickr, uh, Zenphoto, Twitter, Smug Mug, Shutterfly, the one that lets you create like physical albums. So right. this is obviously a huge investment if you wanted to go with Lightroom. I wouldn't do it for regular photography, but if you're a photo enthusiast or if you're a professional, I would definitely use it for that stuff. And I use it for work, yeah. so for me, it works out quite well. Um, I want to give a shout out to some other ones. Uh, Fast Stone. <gasps> Fast Stone. XN View. How could I forget Fast Stone? Earfin View. Earfin View has been around, I think, since 1998. Cool. Uh, it was the first time I ever was introduced the idea of managing photos in bulk and editing photos in bulk. Um, these were all kind of like, you know, Fastone, XNView, and, and EarthenView were all kind of uh, the zoner before zoner existed. Um, ah. So there are a ton of options out there. These are all local uh, desktop-based applications cool. uh, that, that and especially in the case of EarthenView, I've been using forever. Uh, a lot of people like Fastoner's update as an update to EarthenView, and yeah. XNView is another option. There are so many options there, and we there know are. a lot of you are huge photography enthusiasts. So do us a favor. If you have a photo management tool or website you think we should tell everybody about, let us know. Please email us, ask at techthing.com. And please, be gentle to the people migrating off Picasso. <laughs> They've been emotionally scarred enough this week. 
In a slightly different universe, I'm an executive producer that doesn't make video anymore, but runs spreadsheets and budgets for a team that creates link-baity trash to chase ad dollars. <laughs> yeah, laugh while you can. Instead, there's patreon.com slash techthing where you directly support techthing so Shannon and I can make it our job. Crowdfunding is cool. It means we get to focus on making great content for you, our viewers. Our patrons get access to our special patron-only build videos and early heads up on what's coming and more. Go check out patreon.com slash techthing. And thank you so much for supporting the show. And no matter how you do it, send us your questions, your tips, write a review on iTunes, give our video the thumbs up, share the link with your friends. It all makes the show stronger so we can keep making technology we're awesome for everyone. Shannon, rocking the guns. Wouldn't be possible without <laughs> patreon.com slash tech thing. Three questions answered, three reviews, three picks, all in three minutes. This week's rapid fire roundup is two nasty hacks and a chip update. Are you ready, sir? Yes. Go. Oh my goodness. Do not set your iOS device to May 1st, 1970 or earlier. <laughs> it will not, despite rumors online, unlock a retro Apple theme. Nope, it'll brick your phone in an endless boot loop from hell. Apple themselves say right here, if you change the date to May 1970 or earlier and can't restart your iPhone, iPad, or iPod Touch, well, look, the problem is legit. They have a patch coming in a future iOS update, and if your phone is already bricked, contact Apple's tech support. Yo! Mm -hmm. okay. By the way, I should mention, don't connect to wireless networks that you're not familiar with because apparently it can work over Wi-Fi, too. Hate that. <laughs> Hate that. Sorry. And before all the Android users in the audience spend too much time pointing at the nearest iPhone and snickering, Gizmodo says, beware of this Android malware that erases your phone with a single text message. Yeah. How's that sound, kids? They're actually mm -hmm. quoting a, a really lovely article up on the BBC. Um, the Mazar malware can wipe phones being spread by SMS. Discovered by the Heimdale Group, uh, Danish security firm, they, they believe that this has already been forwarded to over 100,000 phones in Denmark, disguised as a link to uh, uh, basically a multimedia message. The link downloads Tor software, which is used to download the malware which could erase your phone, monitor the phone, use the phone to dial ridiculous pay-per-minute phone lines, unless, Ooh. oh, you'll like this part. You'll like this part. It doesn't install if the phone is set to Russian as the default language. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I just need to change my phone to Russian. Right, and you're safe. <laughs> Don't click on strange text messages. Right, yeah. <laughs> and number three. Oh boy, uh, by the way, your fancy new chip-enabled debit card, I got one, the ones that uh, the US was last to adopt, the ones that started wow, showing up wow. when banks said merchants will be liable for 100% of fraud if you had a chip card, uh, but the merchant didn't have their chip service turned on. Krebs yep. on security quotes Visa CEO Charles W. Scharf in an earnings call late last month. More than 750,000 locations have their chip processing turned on. That's 17% uh, of the US face-to-face -face card accepting merchant base. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, basically they're now enabled in handling chip-based transactions or the European MasterCard and Visa payment standard. Europay. Uh, Europay. Basically less than one in five stores actually have it turned on. So it's interesting, right? You won't be liable for any losses, mm -hmm. um, but it can still be an incredible pain in the ass. And apparently many merchants, uh, Krebs is writing, uh, are avoiding turning it on because of the delay in processing it causes. If you've used one of the chip readers, um, it's like 10 to 15 seconds per card minimum, uh, assuming there's not confusion on the part of the, the cashier and or the end user. Um, apparently a lot of the point of sale systems that run the cash registers aren't ready to use it, uh, or because they simply aren't worried about fraud. 
Well, okay. Yeah, yeah Visa expects 50% of the merchandisers uh, to be using chip by the end of the year. Um, and I'm okay with that as long as I don't have to get my fourth debit card in two years. Oh Thanks, Home Depot. Thanks, Target. You know what? I'm excited yeah. for everybody to change it to chip and pin instead of chip and signature because chip and signature is not necessarily secure while having chip yeah. and pin is. <sighs> Come on, United States. Get with the times. It's the 21st century, <laughs> people. We even have 3D printers in toy stores now, or will this <laughs> You guys can always check out all of our security news over at ThreatWire, yeah. which both Patrick Norton and myself do. It's over at patreon.com slash ThreatWire yeah. and ThreatWire.net. I believe. <laughs> it's at hack5, hak5.org. We make the show. <laughs> and you can always send your pics to ask at techthing.com. Lucas writes, greeting fellow awesome humans. I have recently been binge watching Tech Thing, which by now is way more episodes than Carl Binge. Not that it's a competition or anything. And <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed every single episode. Awesome. However, I am now stricken with oodles and oodles of questions, so I've finally narrowed it down to the following. Is there an economically viable way to try out mirrorless cameras? I appreciate all the advice from Lori Grun, and she is awesome. Yes, she is. And learned so much from that particular episode. However, I have found myself wanting to utilize different styles of cameras in my own environment in order to see what would work best for myself. Is there a way to get my hands on, say, a Sony a6000 or a6300? Try before I buy. As you may have noticed, I am looking for a higher-end consumer model, but do not want to spend $1,000 plus before I know exactly what I would be dealing with. I greatly appreciate your time and consideration regarding said question. Sincerely, a fellow tech finger. Also, I have no friends, so borrowing a camera will not work. Lucas. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure you have friends. Maybe just they just don't have cameras. cameras. Oh my gosh, that's sad. I'll be, I'll be your friend. We'll be your friend. <laughs> so unless you do camera reviews, not many manufacturers are actually going to send you a camera without paying for it first. Mm -hmm. But but many online retailers will let you purchase a camera and then use it and then return it for full price if you're not satisfied, as long as it's in tip-top perfect shape, the yeah. same shape that you got it in. Uh, Autorama and Amazon both have great return policies, and the Sony cameras that you mentioned are pretty inexpensive now, so you could definitely purchase them online. Otherwise, mm -hmm. another great idea, I would suggest dropping by a local camera shop that lets you rent cameras, because many companies allow for like week-long, so for a vacation or something, or just day-long if you need to rent it for your business or something. Uh, they let you rent with lenses at a great price, so you would be able to take it home to your envir environment, test it out, and both options require a small upfront cost, well, especially yeah. the purchasing one, but they are less than just paying for a camera you might not like in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like renting lenses is a long-standing tradition for prosumer and professional oh, photographers. Yeah. If you've never seen them, check out borrowlenses.com is really, really cool. And Lens Pro to go, I'm sure there are others. Feel free to email Cool, or so you wouldn't us. even have to go to a local shop anymore. Well, what's crazy is like those, they've done like, you know, for okay, let's say your landscape photography. They have landscape packages and that's awesome. They collection of all the lenses and stuff you need. Well, it turns out most of these places have actually started renting cameras. So, for example, if I go to borrowlenses.com and click down here, they have oh, there's an A6000 mirrorless digital camera you can rent for twenty nine dollars. And hey, look, Lens Pro to Go does the same thing although they have concentrating on more of the high-end stuff. <laughs> but it, there are options. Uh, I'm sure there are other sites out there to do similar stuff. Those are just a couple that I know about. Um, something worth considering. Absolutely. Because a lot of the old school, awesome, amazing experts behind the counter photography shops just don't exist anymore yep. or they are a long ass haul to the big city in your state. <laughs> long haul. Long haul. Nobody wants to go up to New York, especially if you're living in California. Well, in California, you go to L.A. or San Francisco. Yeah, that's true. 
I wonder if that rental shop's still around. Anyway, <laughs> we got a Twitter message from Caffeine Free Dave who says, oh man, I need to add optical drive to my Windows 10 laptop to rip music CDs. Do I just plug into USB and go, or is there more to it? Oddly enough, it's pretty much that easy, but the answer is still yes and no. I actually, <laughs> well, you laugh, right? But it, That's a great answer, Patrick. <laughs> the answer is definitely, decidedly yes and no. So this is a LG Electronics 8X USB 2.0 Super Multi Ultra Sum Portable DVD Plus Minus RW External Drive. Woo! Can you put more descriptions? This is a $23 uh, external DVD writer. If you want a Blu-ray uh, reader, it's probably gonna cost you like $85. Okay. Um, and yes, just plugging in an external USB drive into your Windows machine will attach it to your operating system and you are good to go. But you are gonna need ripping software like DB PowerAmp, yeah. Exact Audio Copy, our iTunes for example. I personally use DB PowerAmp. Um, if you have an old five and a quarter inch optical drive laying around, you can buy an external enclosure. Unfortunately, uh, for example, uh, Vantech makes a pretty good one. Even on Amazon.com, it's like 36 bucks, which means it costs almost wow. half again as much as a dedicated enclosure and <laughs> does not come in the fancy gold option. Oh, but I want the fancy gold option. White, silver, gold, black, they have all the options there. Um, but yeah, um, super simple, USB, plug it in your machine, you're good to go. And if you do want to rip CDs or DVDs or Blu-ray drives, you probably are gonna need some kind of external device. If you've been, yeah. a lot of new systems don't include optical drives. And a lot of That's these cases true. don't even have space in them for optical drives. Mine does. It was a Corsair case. It's awesome. The last two I've built actually don't have uh, Oh, yeah. That's drive. Well, you did the little mini ones, right? Yeah. The AT. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. duh. But, of course, I have a case that has eight optical drives inside <laughs> of it because I'm a freak. <laughs> Hope that helps you out, caffeine-free day. We got an email from Deborah who asks, Shannon and Patrick, I appreciated the reminder that Sennheiser makes great headphones, but 400 bucks isn't in my budget. Could you give a rundown of microphones, headphones, etc., for setting up a decent podcasting environment? It doesn't have to rival the Hack 5 warehouse. I see a lot of folks using what looks to be Heil microphones. Are they worth the expense of the mic and everything that goes with it, the stand, pop screen, etc., from Debra in Greater Cincinnati? Okay, first of all, Deborah, I should point out that that was not a guide uh, to podcasting uh, gear. It was a question. People see me using the, that rig, and I, you know, I just answered the question. Uh, <laughs> the how PR40s you see all over the world of podcasting are outstanding, but this microphone alone is going to cost you about 320 bucks, and you're still going to need a USB mixer to set levels and get you from yep. the XLR jack on the back of the microphone to the USB bus on your computer. Yeah. The upside is there are a lot of inexpensive options out there. Um, for example, okay, Sweetwater, which is a lot like Guitar Center, um, you know, of course I'm, I'm now on the $2,000 page, but if you go into the sort of $100 to $200 range, you see a ton of uh, Behringer uh, boards that allow you to basically bring in multiple XLR inputs and adjust the levels, and they'll do a USB output. Alesis makes a pretty good one. Um, I use a Focusrite personally, uh, which has been really, really fantastic. If you're only dealing with a single microphone, something like Shure's X2U to XLR USB signal adapter is really, really nice. Um, those sell anywhere from 50 to 100 bucks. Um, and while we're talking about Shure, a really, really nice microphone option is the SM58. They are the sort of classic onstage bomb-proof microphone. They're not as directional as the Heil. They're more omnidirectional, but you can pick them up for under 100 bucks. Uh, I've seen them as little as 50 bucks used, and they last forever. That said, Shannon's got an even more affordable option. <laughs> 
<laughs> and by the way, as far as everything that, that goes with the stand, the pop screen and all that stuff, mm -hmm. um, you're going to want a stand for almost any kind of mic you don't wear on your head. And whether or not you need a pop screen is going to be pretty evident after you start recording. Or yeah. I should say when you start listening to your first Yeah, recording. that's more of an accessory. You don't necessarily need it for every single microphone. For example, I don't use it for my setup, but I do have a stand for mine. Mm -hmm. So we could probably do a whole episode on podcast setups. And actually, that would be really fun since we're both very obsessed with this kind of stuff. But it's also not just a lot of the stuff that make podcasts sound good, make Skype sound better. Yes. Make any kind of, you know, any kind of thing where you're talking near your computer. Everything yeah. that works for podcasts tends to also work for for that. Yeah, so uh, the most important part I would say is audio, mm -hmm. of course, and then video after that. So Heil mics are epic in terms of podcasting, but you don't need to get that expense to get really good audio that's good enough for online shows. So for example, I use the Blue Yeti, mic uh, Blue Microphones Yeti USB microphone. It comes in silver or black, and it's, it does come with a stand, and it has a mute button right on the top of it. It's very, very useful, and it's only 114 bucks right now. Mm -hmm. I've seen it as little as around $99. Right. Of course, that varies on Amazon all and the that's time. The mic, the stand, and yeah. the USB adapter, yep. so you don't need any of the external things uh, on that. Yeah, and then um, for webcams, if you're interested in webcams, you can always get the Logitech HD Pro Webcam C920. Mm -hmm. It's in 1080p, it's widescreen, does video calling. There's a built in mic, but I wouldn't recommend using the built in mic. Right. I'd recommend using a separate one. It's only 50 bucks, so it's a really good one to start you off on Skype, for example, or even hang outs. And lastly, I wanted to mention what kind of headset I've been using. I have a wireless version of this one. It's a little bit older, but this mm -hmm. is their newer one and it actually costs less. Uh, the Corsair Vengeance 1500, they make really good headsets. They're for gaming, but you can also use yeah. these for Skype calls. Of course, that might be overkill. You might want to go with a headset <laughs> that's cheaper. You could even just use earbuds. As right. long as you can hear who you're speaking to, then you're fine. Uh, one thing yeah. I do want to mention too with audio is if you're listening to a Skype call on speakers, and you're trying to record it, a lot of times you'll get echo. What, 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 what? Yeah, you'll get echo because the speakers will end up being picked up into your microphone. Your microphone will feed it back. You'll end up with this audio loop that ends up getting louder and louder and louder, and eventually it just, yeah. So very important stuff. Of course, all of those work very well. Again, that might be a little bit of overkill. So At the very least, if you're using a microphone, use an earbud, even yeah. the cheapest earbud on the planet uh, will do. What's your setup cost between, so the, for the, the mic, the camera, yeah. and the earbuds, you were like- All of it is less than 200 bucks for less. everything. Yeah, of course the, the headset's yeah. overkill, so I'd recommend you know just earbuds for that. But yeah, around 200 bucks, and that would get you super started on podcasting, and you should be able to do whatever you want yeah. with videos and audio. So much of doing a good, like even just you know doing a vlog where you're like, I have a, I have a, I have a webcam, yeah. I have a microphone, I have me, so much of that is actually making sure you don't have four hard walls around you, that you have some soft stuff to break up the audio so you right. don't sound like you're in the bottom of a well, and that you actually figure out, play around with some lighting so that you know, you're amazing. Like that $55 webcam looks badass. It does. But it's gonna look so much better if it's like if the window is behind you and yep. the sun is up and you're <laughs> a black outline, you either need to put curtains down or put a light in front of put you. Put a light in front and of you. And if you yeah. put a single lamp pointed at your face, then you're gonna look like you're being interrogated by angry Soviets. In <laughs> or the you 1970s. might look like a ghost. <laughs> you might look like a ghost. So I do um, daily tech news show from home sometimes mm -hmm. when they invite me on the show. If you want to see a good example of what my 
setup looks like. There's my mic, and then I'm using my Logitech HD Pro webcam right. for this video. So it's DTNS 2413, also a really good show, so you guys should check that out. That was <laughs> awesome. Fabric sheets, by the way, are great for yes. diffusion. They're so cool. <laughs> And we got an email from Anthony who has some thoughts on password managers. Quote, I found an article on Lifehacker about password manager. Good source. One that caught my eyes was KeePass because I don't like to use online password managers like LastPass, etc. I would rather something that keeps all offline and secure or local on my own flash drives or PC. And I think that KeePass will encrypt all my passwords in one database, which can then be accessed using a master password and or key file. I would be thankful if you could let me know if you guys think this is a secure offline program to meet my needs. Thanks. P.S. On a side note, what are those little red and white things that Shannon has beside her laptop on every episode? Anthony. <laughs> That's an awesome question. So these are actually arcade cabinet buttons that we use to switch the cameras. So as I press one, press, you'll see that it changes the camera. And I'll press it again, press, and it changes the camera again. Yeah, they're very cool. We could, we'll probably do a whole segment on how these work in the future. Um, but let me know if you want us to actually do a segment on that, because it might bore some of you. <laughs> so KeePass is a definite yes. It's local. It uses good encryption. It is open source. And they do have a mobile version of it, so you can get it on mobile. It's a great option for password management. And it's free. And I've done reviews on it in the past on Hack5, like five years ago. So if you guys want to see an updated review on it with their new features, let me know. I'd be happy to provide that for you guys. And remember, I think that about wraps up this episode. So once in a while, put down your phone, step away from the screen, close your laptop, and do something analog like Jack, who emailed us. Dear Tech Thing, love the show. Keep up the great work. Thanks for promoting doing something analog. My latest analog thing is cooking with Blue Apron. After hearing about it and thinking about it, finally my girlfriend got me a meal delivery for my birthday. I loved it and I'm hooked. Here's one of my latest creations. I'm the last person anyone would have thought would cook. At Christmas, as I was telling my family about some of the meals I have had recently, my sister said, who are you and what have you done with my brother? <laughs> she isn't far off after passing up drive throughs and cooking for myself for about four, four months. I've lost 20 pounds. I'm a whole new person thanks to doing something analog and a little encouragement. I can't wait for the next episode. Thanks so much from Jack in Denver, Colorado. Awesome. Thank you, Jack. That's awesome. So congratulations to you. That's incredible. I need to cook more. I don't cook. I burn things. I burn water. You are very good with toast. <laughs> I'm Pop Shannon Morse. I'm Patrick Norton. And we'll see you next week on Tech Thing. You rock Pop-Tarts. I rock some Pop-Tarts with butter. But seriously, I've I've tea. put I've put tin foil in a microwave once and almost burned the house down. I left the gas <laughs> I left the gas stove on once at my home and then I woke up the next morning and said, why does it smell funny in here? And I've burned water. <laughs> I didn't know you could burn water. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys, should we we could start you with grilling or we can start you <laughs> So I'm really good with really? I'm really good with a crock pot. You just you just set it on low and then you dump stuff in it and then you leave it for the day. Probably should put the stuff in it and then set it on low. First. Well yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Just, just, yeah. What's your favorite crock pot recipe? Beef stew. Do you oh, brown yeah. it before you put it in the crock pot or you just throw no, it in the crock pot? So I you go for the total grayness. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs>